This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Alright, uh, are you reading the next one that I'm answering? Yes. I'm gonna keep it super short. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch out. Lizzie Post. And Dan Post is Act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, it's a short cues show. We'll be answering a whole bunch of your shorter questions with our shorter answers. And Dan's going to talk about wearable tech in our postscript segment. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So, you know what time of year it is? Summer's no, almost you don't. No, over. No, no, that is not what I meant. We are not talking about the death of the sun. No. <laughs> it's train the trainer time. Yes, train the trainer is coming. And it's kind of a cool train the trainer this it's year. It's different this year. It is. And I like what we've done with it in that we usually do the business and the children's train the trainer programs concurrently. Yes. And we're going to do that again this fall. Right. But we're Normal also going to have a little special offering children's train the trainer that will follow the business training. So people that want to do both can do both. And then someone had the bright idea. I wish I knew who to credit it to that. We've also started doing a wedding trainer training. I think that was Anna and Peggy did that. And we've added the wedding training in that same two weeks so that some people who want to can come get trained from us on teaching business, children's, and wedding etiquette, which All is in the same week. very cool. I'm going to be really tired by the end of this week. No, it's a busy but September. It's a really bu- and then And then two days later, I leave for Italy. And you will have just been back. It's like it's one of those where it's like we are about to hit boom, boom, boom. We are actually recording this show. It's August, yeah. late August, the second to so last. So we're talking week in about August. the future, yeah. but anyone listening to this show right now, the training that we're talking about it's is going today. on. It starts Monday that this will air, Monday the fourteenth. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. I really hope some of our new trainees are actually listening to this this morning or on their Indeed. lunch break or something because excited. we're so happy to have you here. It's one of those things where to have new trainees, we talk about it every time we, we go through Train the Trainer. We love to tell you how much we love having you be part of the Emily Post family. It's yeah. truly a joy. And it's you ask me, it's two of my favorite weeks during the entire year that we teach this. Yeah. No, and and, and we're in the, the process right now of just prepping materials. But Prints it's in the manuals. And, and it's a <laughs> we don't send out for that, by the way. That is like a manual. big deal. Lizzie and I both cut our teeth at the institute producing the manuals, manuals for our train the trainer programs. Uh-huh. I tell you though, teacher training, you know, training mm-hmm. training people to teach your material is really one of those things that it's really amazing because you do get what we who who we call the true believers, the people yep. who they love etiquette so much that they want to be out there in the world providing this or they see so much value in it that they want to bring it to their community, their business. And those are the people that 
for us, it's so wonderful to meet them and experience this and teach them this, and they get so excited about it. It literally recharges your battery for the next six months of yeah. talking about etiquette and teaching etiquette. It really does. It's so true. And I'm, I'm reminded of I was in Seoul when the first Seoul episodes of this show launched. Yes. And we were doing a Train the Trainer there. Special. And I was listening to the first episode of this show from the Shilla in Seoul. In Seoul, South Korea. And it was so much fun because we had just been um, laying the foundation for that, the whole teaching framework that we use at Emily Post and talking about consideration, respect, and honesty. And I listened to show, that first episode yes. and we were talking about the exact same things. And we were frankly doing it in a way that made me really excited about the in podcast. The, in, so between the podcast and what you were teaching the folks in Seoul, it was so... like The, the agreement was remarkable. The, the, the two just zipped up together and it, it was so satisfying. I was there with Peter. It was really fun to share that first episode with him. He was yeah. sort of wondering, this is Lizzie's father and, and our managing director at Emily Post. And What's it he's sort be of wondering like? what this podcast is going to be like that Lizzie and I have struck off and started doing. And and it was so it was so nice to share that with him that first week. That's so cool man and a year later here we are doing a doing a training where people can take all three and over the course of 10 days and we're at our this this episode will be our 53rd show so we're well past the absolutely the year mark it's pretty exciting stuff and it is nice when you show up at that training and there are people there who have been listening to the podcast. It's fun. And one of my favorites is when you have a graduate that completed one program is coming back for another and they feel like they know what's going on with us. Right. They <laughs> know how they it do. works. It's so cool. It's so very cool. What do you think? Should we, we we have an exciting show today. It's our short cute show. Anytime that you yeah. write in these kind of one or two sentence questions to us, we actually save them in a special batch to hammer them out in a short cue show. Just involved enough. I wouldn't call it rapid fire. No, nope, they're trying, not rapid fire. We're going to get more than four questions in this episode. You know that reminds me, we haven't done a rapid fire segment in a long time. I wonder if if you our audience would be interested in one again. Time they were fun. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> let's do some. Uh, let's do some short cues today, and we'll we'll start looking for some rapid fire episodes in the future. Good plan. Now let's get on with the show. I like it. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave, and today it's our short question show for you. We're going to blast through a lot of your shorter, more direct questions, and we'll try to give you shorter, more direct answers. Try. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who can do it better. Our first question begins, Hello, if you bring someone a gift when you go to meet their new baby, should they send you a thank you note? Or is it sufficient that they thank you in person after they open the gift? Thank you. Valerie. Valerie, you always want to send a thank you note no matter what. But um, since they thanked you in person, technically they don't have to send one. And I would also say that since this is a new baby, you're probably dealing with, with new, busy parents. new new parents who, who are very, very busy and very sleep deprived. So um, I would say the thanks in person is really enough. However, it is always nice to send a note. Do remember that if this were a baby shower situation, even though you're opening and thanking in person, you always send the thank you note. Couldn't agree more. At a family-style dinner, what direction do you pass the food? Ding, 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 ding. You pass to the right. Why? And, oh, I'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> do, Daniel. Do tell us. We live in a 
oftentimes right-hand dominant world. So for many people, it's easier to serve themselves with their right hand reaching across their body. So if you're passing food to your right, you hold it and present it to the person who's on your right, and then they have their right hand free to serve themselves from that plate. Then they can take that plate from you and present it to the person to their right and continue this process on around the table. Which is a bummer for left-handed people. It's a bit of a bummer for left-handed people. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If you were trying to serve yourself with your left hand when someone's presenting a plate from you your left, it's a little arms. chicken wing T-Rex T- arms <laughs> phenomenon. For all of you <laughs> etiquette aficionado geeks out there, this is a uh, – you can see this in action with the whole concept that really formal service comes from the left and is cleared from the right. Yeah. The idea Leave that – left retrieve right. And this is actually a a tradition that developed back when really formal service was plattered service, when food didn't come to the table already on plates. Mm -hmm. So you had to serve yourself. And the the whole thinking was that you presented from the left so people could serve themselves with their right hand. When you're passing food, you're playing the role that a very formal server would play if they were bringing food to the table on a platter, not on a plate. The only other thing that I will say about direction to pass the food is that if if it starts off the wrong way and you start passing to the left, just continue everything going in the same direction. The last thing you want to have is one person getting dishes from both sides and not knowing what to do. Good idea. We hope that helps. And remember, pass right. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Next up, I was taught that you do not stack plates in a restaurant when finished with your meal. Does this still hold true? Thanks. Bobby. This is absolutely true, and our grandfather had a wonderful phrase for it called be ye quality or be ye stack. (laughs) Um, In someone's personal home, 
you would never stack plates as you as you help to clear the table or something like that because the the chance of scratching the china or something like that or you're also just getting food now on bottom side of the plate you're having to wash both sides of the plate much more um it's just not considered the proper thing to do in a restaurant i think you really don't do it because this is a place where you're supposed to be letting the servers take care of the service and when you start stacking up your food for them i know it it seems helpful it might speed up the process but it's not very pleasant to look at it's not what you should be focused on it, never in a business or formal dining situation for sure but i would let it go even at a very casual restaurant agreed Our next question begins, I have a 13-year-old granddaughter who takes her ponytail down at the dining table, fusses with it, and then puts it back up. I have told her it's bad manners, but she won't listen to me or her mother. What say you? Sincerely, Lee. <laughs> Lee, I agree with you. I think this is bad manners. Technically, you don't groom you at the don't table. don't do any grooming yeah. at the table. And the, the one that people often miss is playing with your hair. That's part of grooming. It's so easy to just give that hair a toss or run your fingers through your hair as you Feel push it back behind slipping, your you redo it. Yeah. shoulders. But if you think about the, the likelihood of hair getting into your food or because I'm going to be it. extra gross, a little bit of dander. Ew. Um, it's, <laughs> there's an old expression. That was gross. There's nothing good that can happen at the dinner table with your hands above your shoulders unless you're bringing your food to your mouth. And it's a great old expression. That's a good one. That being said, if I was in a super casual situation, I don't think you've ever bought, been bothered by me putting a ponytail up at the lunch table. No, know? but it, it is good to remember. Ears, eyes, it's nose, hair, Proper mouth. manners <laughs> not to do it. And you are absolutely right. Proper manners not to do it. And, you know, as a grandparent in this situation, I think that you can make your dinner table a place where there are certain standards that you like to uphold. Absolutely. And I think it's important to tell your granddaughter that this is bad manners, but you can also tell her about why it's important for you to have certain standards that she observes when she's eating with you at the table. And I think that's a really reasonable way to approach it. And we hope that helps. This next question has to do with names. Is Mrs. George Smith or Mrs. Sally Smith correct on a place card at an anniversary dinner? It actually doesn't matter what the event is that you're writing the place card for. It depends on what Sally Smith prefers. Call her and ask. And that is the best way to get it right. I like our next question because it's generous. If someone invites you to their home for dinner for your birthday, do you bring something, i.e. flowers, wine, etc., or not? She's a host, but at the same time she's the guest of honor. You know, like friend, hosting, yeah. guest of honor. What do you think? I can see the thinking in this question that you're the guest of honor. It might not be incumbent upon you to bring something. It's always a nice idea to bring something to thank your host, even if you're the guest of honor. I think especially so when you're the guest of honor. You know, it's like parties in your honor. Say thanks to the host. Yeah, it's a really it's a nice thought. I dig it. Our next question has to do with in-laws. Hi, my brother and sister-in-law are now divorced. Is my sister-in-law my ex-sister-in-law or still my sister-in-law for purposes of introduction to my friends and associates? Thanks, Mike. So she's definitely not your sister-in-law anymore. She, like, quite literally is not your sister-in-law anymore. That yep. Legally, she's not your sister-in-law nope. <laughs> anymore. However, I would refer to her when I'm introducing her. And I think it's wonderful that you're, you're planning on seeing her in the future, that sort of thing. Introduce her as your former sister-in-law or just introduce her by her name and let her describe the association as the conversation goes on. I think ex-people feel is a little harsh. I do, too. Former at least lets them know what the relationship was but you don't even have to indicate that. I think former is nice. The only expansion I would give to that answer is that 
Um, sometimes for just the family names, like aunt so and so. Right. Sometimes for for kids, and and sometimes someone will retain the the title of an aunt. Absolutely. In um, fact, in our family, we <clears throat> still have our aunts or uncles who who are no longer legally a part of our family, but they will always be in our hearts. And while I wouldn't necessarily describe someone as my in law any longer, yeah. I still might call her aunt so and so. Right. Absolutely. I like our next question because it is kind of – I think it actually has more than just a teeny tiny short answer. Is it rude to walk guests to their car after a visit? Doesn't that sound strange? But the idea is, is it rude to walk them all the way to the car? Does it, is that overbearing in some way? Like, you're, Or is it rude to make it seem like you're escorting them all the way to the car? Get off my property. Uh-huh. What? It, is it rude? I'm going to say no because I do this at my house. You walk them all the way to the car? Yes. You have a bridge. I have a footbridge across a stream. and To get to the driveway, right? Yep, mm-hmm. But it's not well lit. <laughs> and I'm always worried about my guests. And Consider it. They'll be just heading out the door and I'll think to myself, I'm going to walk with you with a light and be sure you get to your car without tripping, stumbling, coming up and down the stairs on the bridge. Would and you do the same if you lived in suburbs and their car was probably 20 feet from your house? I'd be less likely to. Maybe because I wouldn't feel like I need to. I'd stop at the door. You can see them all the way to their car. Yeah. But um, I don't think there's anything rude about extending that departure and right. walking someone out to their car. In it, fact, in some circumstances, it might really be the considerate thing to do. Love it. This question's a classic. Hello, is it still incorrect to wear white to a wedding if you're not the bride? Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, Cheryl, I love it. We always get this classic, one. Classic, 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 classic. Guests should not wear white dresses. And I'm going to go so far as to say I still think it's pretty tacky if you wear a short white dress. I, I just think you just stay away from the color altogether at a wedding. That being said, I've seen a lot of white dresses that are short, white dresses that have a lot of pattern or other An color on them. Or, totally uh, fine. Yeah. But I have definitely seen a few, especially much younger girls wearing all white dresses. And I'm just always, it always catches me as, you really shouldn't have done that. You had probably a lot of other options. So... Yeah, we always say anything goes, I'll but admit. don't distract from the bride and groom. Exactly. It's their special day, and this is the one choice you might make that so could distract. The the way you tell is that if your dress is long, if there's any way that it could be misconstrued for or, or just look like it could be a wedding dress, even a casual wedding dress, don't wear it. My advice to people, completely stay away from white. It'll just mean that there's no issue whatsoever. Next question. When introducing two people, is it proper to mention their occupation? For example, this is John Doe. He's a CPA. Or this is Susan Smith. She's a great seamstress. The short answer to this question is it's not rude, but you want to have more tools in your toolbox than just someone's profession when it comes to making an introduction. Here in the States, it's entirely appropriate to mention what someone does or to include what you do when you make a self-introduction or even to ask someone about what they do. It's not considered prying or inappropriate. In fact, it's a common part of our social identity here in the States. It is, however, really important that you also have other things that you're able to talk about. So if you know some interest that someone has, some hobbies, a sport that they like, a team that they're really fond of, give them a little bit of that information also so they are saved from the incredibly potentially boring conversation of what they do every day. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Was he Fabulous advice. <laughs> <laughs> Look for a job of both the day and night. I can't find nothing that will suit me right. A little bit of labor I'm not trying to shake. But everything I found seems too much like work. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our answers, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or you can leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or you could send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Does anybody here know somebody who needs somebody who wants somebody to love? love, love, love. And now you're talking now. We've got a great postscript today because you had a really cool event the other week. I know. I got so lucky. You did. It really was, was a fun jealous. one. Every once in a while, working at Emily Post is a good thing. No! <laughs> and this was one of those moments. Um, I, I got to go down to New York and do an event uh, sponsored by LG. We were talking about the modern gentleman and yes. the way wearable tech influences fashion in today's world. And there was an opportunity for me to share some of the some of the thinking that we've done at Emily Post about wearable tech and the way technology impacts our communication, but also our social expectations of each other. And the the thing that I was really excited to share at this event was the idea that we've been anticipating wearable tech coming and putting pressure on our social expectations for years now. It used to be that when I was first teaching business etiquette seminars and I was introducing the the equation that that manners and principles are both part of the etiquette equation. Oh, manners plus principles equal etiquette. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. that manners change and evolve over time. And one of the examples I would give is that w- the types of questions, the type of questions that you all send us at the Emily Post Institute, in some ways they're very consistent. In some ways they stay the same year to year, but in some ways they change and evolve. And the, the changes that we see in the questions we get asked give us a good indication of changing social norms and right. the way people are adapting to changing social norms. So I oftentimes would invite my audiences to participate in the experience of of what the shift in those questions feels like. And I would give examples of questions that we were asked a lot 10 years ago but weren't getting asked anymore. My common example there are vegetarians. When vegetarians were new. Totally. uh, My my son or daughter just came home from college with a vegetarian friend or they're now vegetarian and what do I do? What do I make them? Where do we go eat? And now there's a vegetarian option in every restaurant you're going to go to. There's always... Heck, now there's like a gluten-free option. And it's supposed to not just be one option. You're supposed to have a couple good options yeah. for vegetarians. It's Love not it. just pasta with vegetables anymore. Right. So etiquette changes and evolves. 
the questions that we were getting asked currently that we hadn't been asked 10 years ago. Maybe it was food allergies more recently Absolutely. or gluten-free diets. And then the question becomes, what are the etiquette questions you anticipate coming in the future? And I started thinking about children and sugar-free diets a little while ago. Yeah. That And definitely in the communication category, the new communication that we were anticipating coming was wearable tech. Yeah. And I was imagining cell phones that are the size of microchips sit right in your ear that people don't even know you're using, screens on contact lenses that are using facial recognition software to give you information from the social media profile of the person you're meeting with or talking to. And oh my gosh, so weird. What the yeah. expectation is that you tell someone that you're able to reference their Facebook history as you're talking to them in the street or yeah. as you're meeting them in an interview or anyway, these were questions that we anticipated coming and sure enough, they arrived and they arrived a couple years ago when Google sent out little etiquettes with its Google Glass. Cute. And now with the widespread introduction of the smartwatch with yeah. millions of these units now in sale, uh, in the world and on people's wrists, how are they impacting people? It's a really interesting question. Yeah. A lot of the manners are the same manners that emerged around the cell phone. Yeah. Not too long ago. And there were a, a series of waves of manners evolution with the cell phone. First, there was the phone usage of it. Yeah. And then there was the texting exemption. People thought they could text places they might not call. And the idea that there were actually manners for how you text, that that wasn't an invisible behavior. It was sort of a next evolution totally. in mobile manners. Um, the advent of the tablet brought another wave of cell manners. And now the wearable tech has emerged. And there were some obvious things that we all expected with wearable tech with watches. The obvious one being the gesture of looking at your wrist. All the time. This is a gesture that's hundreds of years old. The first ritual ri wrist, wrist watches watch. started to appear in the 1600s. And they were amazing technology in their day. And even then, people were worried about how they divided up the day and divided up life. There were concerns about the way this new technology would impact people. But did that, it start with the wristwatch or did it, would it no, have a pocket watch? No, it started with the pocket watch. Okay, and, so the pocket watch was the advent of that like, oh, I'm checking my time because I have to be somewhere. And the pocket watch was the very evolved, was the gentlemanly version. The wristwatch was for the worker who needed their hands ah. free. The emergence of the wristwatch as a fashionable item or something that the gentry would wear uh, happened later on. Interesting. <laughs> yep. This gesture, though, of checking your Time can get you in a lot of trouble. It's the classic gesture for impatience. George Bush Sr., the first Bush president, got in a lot of trouble checking his watch during a debate with Bill Clinton way what? back when. He was perceived as disinterested and in a hurry to be somewhere else. And wow. this really hurt him. Yeah. It hurt his public image. So we expected people to wrestle some with the, the reinvention of the gesture of checking your wristwatch. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
there is an emerging etiquette around wearable tech that I was not anticipating and I think is really fascinating and I wanted to share with all of you. And that's the idea that the technology that we keep closer to us, that's, that's more connected to us personally and physically, tends to be the device where we keep our most intimate contacts. And that there is a, a, a phenomenon that people who wear these devices are starting to describe of a, of a tiered set of contacts, that there are the people who you want able to reach you and contact you anytime, anywhere, whose uh, messages – like your favorite list but now on your you wrist. You would want appearing on your wrist at any given moment. Interesting. And I, I think about how I – Whoa, am, sorry. I'm just thinking that could be dangerous because let's say your sweetheart is one of those people on that list and they're sending you some sweet messages that are now visible right there, not just in your pocket that you check privately. Absolutely. Mm. Is, are, are you in my computer? Are you on my phone? Are you on my wrist? And and wow. the way you would manage these different circles, and it really does matter. Honey, how come I'm not on your wrist? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't want my grocery list. And, no, and, and you're hearing really positive yeah. things about it, too. Oh, people, I bet. People who feel freed up, that they feel less attached to their cell phone because they know if something really important happens, it's going to pop up on their wrist. But those really important calls happen with less frequency than the work calls that they're having go into their cell all phone. All the time, So yeah. they're able to put that work cell phone down and know that all their personal contacts are going to appear right on their wrist. So if it's Putting personal before work. I love it. Sorry. No, but I get it. I get happens. it. I yeah, get no. it. It's just kind of a funny dynamic there that's happening. And it was wasn't totally anticipated. I mean, I'm sure thought. the makers of these devices yeah. did, but as as someone who was anticipating the wearable tech question, um, it's a really particular social phenomenon. Big picture, yeah. these devices are meant to serve relationships. So the degree to which any new communication technology improves relationships, I think it's really um, a benefit to all of us. Nice. And I think there are rewards to be reaped for paying attention and using these devices well. When you're a new person using them, you're an early adopter, you're an ambassador, you have an extra responsibility to handle yourself well. You need to be prepared for the curious. You need to be prepared for people who want to know what you think of it and also how the device works. So having a couple simple answers to those questions is a, a good way to prepare yourself to be that good ambassador. Handle it. Yep. Yeah. I would also imagine that be prepared for it to maybe not go right all the time. Yes. Like be prepared for the the person across from you to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you think you have to leave or something? And having that really soft toned answer of, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting used to the watch. It was messages coming in or whatever. The, I mean, and that's just as bad as picking up your cell phone and drawing your attention away. So it's getting used to the times where it's not going to go so smoothly and having a gentle, easy out answer. Being prepared for people not always to know. To get <laughs> and it, And maybe yeah, taking that absolutely. extra step of taking extra care. Your sister said something early on that was really great. Anna Post, she say? when she's teaching, will hold up her phone. phone. And she'll say, this is my phone. It's not rude. It's not polite. It's how I use it that matters. Oh, good, Anna. And it's so true. And the same is going to be true for wearable tech and every generation of wearable tech that emerges as these devices get smaller and more personal and more intimate. It's not the device that's rude or polite. It's how we use it that matters. And that's the, the message that I really want to leave everyone with today on today's Postscript. Love it. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? I love our salute this week because it's so genuine. To someone who's in the public eye, I think to have them recognized for being a very real person who treats people well no matter what their status is, I think is a really wonderful thing. My etiquette salute goes out to Nick Rolden. 
He is one of the U.S.'s top polo players and captain of the national side. Not only is he an excellent player whose main aim it is to improve even further, but he equals that in kindness, as, may I add, do his parents. Once in a while, you meet people who really make you totally rethink your expectations and raise the bar. I myself have experienced this firsthand, having gone through some tough family matters the last few years, and how Nick has been the definition of a friend. But likewise, it is great to see how despite living in this crazy polo world, he has an exceptional manner with all the people he meets, be it the royalty he plays with or a valet chap. Not only have I seen and experienced this firsthand, but I have often heard people remark the same about his wonderful ways and feel this is both worthy of a salute, but also is a great example in the world of sports. It is rare that people are so true to themselves, kind and genuine. Anonymous. Oh, Isn't that lovely? That. that is such a nice I salute. know. And I, I looked Nick up and it's it seems to be very true. It seems that this is the image that he portrays out there, which is really nice. Well, Nick, the, uh, what a nice thing to have people saying about you. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, we thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And please don't forget, there is no show without you. We need you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, please don't be shy about it. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette or the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced and edited by Hans Buto. 